After a year of lengthy lockdowns, many people's three top priorities have become vacation, vacation and vacation. And private equity investors are happy to back companies that can cater to that desire. So, recline on your deck chair, reach for that mojito and listen to our take on the travel and leisure sector in this week's episode of the Unquote Private Equity Podcast. Hello, listener, and welcome to this new episode of the Unquote Private Equity Podcast. I'm Greg Gill, the editor of Unquote, and I will be your host today. We've had some great longer-form interview episodes as of late, um, so we thought we would bring it right back to the classic format, if you will, for this one, uh, with a deep dive into a particular sector. So in early September, PI Partners struck a deal to acquire France-headquartered European Camping Group, uh, which we'll refer to as ECG from now on, uh, from previous shareholders, including Carlyle Group, uh, Montefiore Investments, and Ontario Teachers Pension Plan. The deal reportedly gave the company an enterprise value in the region of sort of 700 million, 730 million euros, uh, corresponding to a nice round 10x entry multiple. Founded in 1989, ECG operates campsites for mobile home holidays in Europe, including in France, Spain, Italy, the UK, and Croatia. And at this point, I think a lot of people uh, will still see that sector, uh, sort of travel, leisure, holidays, as something of a risky bet. Uh, after all, when the coronavirus crisis hit, um, Unquo and Merger Market actually pulled together to kind of see what was in portfolios at the time, um, because the consensus was that with lockdowns, uh, seemingly without a sort of a clear path out of that as well, uh, it would be severely affected. Uh, and it's it's remained as uh, throughout 2020, obviously, uh, subsequent lockdowns affected the sector again. It only feels like it was this summer that uh, we went back to some sort of uh, normalcy in terms of travel and holidays. Uh, so potentially a risky sector, but obviously PAI fails differently about that. So we thought it'd be interesting to talk to Gail Dangremont, uh, a partner who worked on that deal, and also heads PEI's food and consumer team to delve deeper into that investment, but also get her take on the sector's prospects post-pandemic. Before we do that, though, we're going to set the scene, and I am delighted to be joined by my colleague, reporter extraordinaire, Harriet Matthews. Harriet, thank you so much for joining the pod today. Thanks very much, Greg. It's great to be here and great to be talking about this topic. Uh, yeah, you actually uh, happened to write an excellent piece on the travel and leisure sector a bit more than a year ago now, right, right when the impact of the first wave of lockdowns was becoming clearer. And I think it's fair to say that people were a fair bit concerned about the sector then, uh, you know, advisors, investors, but at the same time, somewhere already back then when it was looking fairly grim, somewhere also pointing at sort of longer term trends that, that should continue making the sector attractive in some respects. Could you talk us through uh, that a little bit? Yeah, of course. It's been really interesting to look back on that actually and see what's held true and what perhaps hasn't and, and what's still to come potentially in terms of developments. So back in, I think it was May 2020, when we published that feature, financial problems for these companies were obviously at the forefront of the minds of sponsors and advisors in the sector. So managing refunds and cancellations or postponements. Uh, a lot of consumers didn't actually know if their travel provider would even still be around that time next year. So there were a lot of issues around that. And related to that were clearly the liquidity needs of those companies. And for many sponsors, there was a question of whether they should just get out of the investment or double down and invest more equity from their own resources. 
Another topic that was continually coming up was digitalization and the use of data in the sector. So that was to improve their operations, improving customer experience, and potentially getting insights on their customers so they would really be ready to get back into the their usual operations once people were ready and confident to book holidays again. Another topic that people were talking about was market consolidation. And I think that's something we'll talk about a fair amount today in terms of what private equity can do in many sectors, including the travel and leisure, travel and tourism sectors. So advisors were potentially looking at mergers of different private equity backed companies to get them through the crisis and also at what can be done in terms of general add-ons, buy and build, making smaller companies part of a larger group in order to reap the benefits of that for everyone involved. Then lastly, I think it's interesting to just have a look at what people were thinking about the return of different subsectors at that time. So there were questions about luxury travel, which is generally reasonably cycle resilient given its consumer base. There was the question of the silver pound, so potentially older travellers going back to uh, different types of of travel once they were able to. And what I think has really borne through is domestic travel. A lot of people were saying that was likely to remain resilient and come back quickest. And I think that is something we have seen. So, yes, it was interesting to to have a look at what we were saying back then, what advisors and, and sponsors were saying back then when it seems like a lifetime ago. But there's a fair amount that's certainly still still relevant and and still developing as I said yeah and um, and and talking to sponsors a bit more recently with with exposure to that sector I think it's been quite interesting and as you said some of these trends have have come back potentially even quicker than than they were expecting Mm. Um, you know you mentioned the staycation uh, trend which obviously became a big thing in the UK because the international travel was restricted perhaps for for longer than in in other geographies and you know talking to uh, Phoenix equity partners recently they obviously they still have forest holidays in in the portfolio Uh, they were telling me that that they it was obviously affected by the first lockdown in the UK, but but then you rebounded uh, on the back of increased demand for staycations. Well, that travel was restricted, uh, and uh, but it also kind of they just continued implementing their the growth plan, including rollout plan and and all that, and uh, and basically it's, it's it's managed to kind of increase in size even even over lockdown. So. Um, and, and similarly, I think when you spoke to Palatine for for a profile, um, Verdant Leisure was obviously in in their portfolio at the time, um, and and I think Staycation drove that that demand for for them as well. So that's uh, that's quite interesting. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And uh, it's actually as I was as looking at uh, statistics on on Uncle Data a little bit just to try and, and frame that discussion. Um, and it's been uh, it's been a bit of a rebound. I mean, obviously beyond uh, just the fact that, that people are obviously back to looking at the sector, looking to uh, take advantage of these trends, as we'll hear about from from PEI as well. It, it's certainly bearing fruit uh, in in terms of activity. To a degree, uh, and that has to be prefaced. I think it's it's not. Um, it's obviously it remains a niche sector, and it's not. Uh, it hasn't been as buoyant as other sectors. Obviously, that that have you know seen massive, massive increases in in uh, in demand from investors over the past few months, like TMT, like you know some some part of uh, of business services and, and that type of thing. But um, so looking at buyouts in the uh, sort of travel uh, sector and, and tourism sector, in which will will also include sort of hotels and, and airlines lines um 
is year to date in 2021, we've we've had 12 buyouts in Europe for European targets, amounting to about six, uh, sorry, 5.8 billion euros. That's a big, big jump from. 2020, which obviously is not massively surprising. Uh, it, it's about doubled in terms of volume and the enterprise value of these deals were much lower last year. So it's uh, it's almost like a you know fourfold increase or something like that. Uh, but that said, it's so it's actually on par with 2019 in terms of volume, which, which is quite good, uh, with enterprise value, again, being a bit higher because there's been some big deals in, in 2021, as uh, I'm sure we'll get into as well. But we're still a little bit off from, you know, some of the, the levels that we were seeing maybe in the mid 2010s uh, when there was a lot of attraction for the sector and perhaps a lot more GPs were looking to take advantage. But there's still big deals taking place. Again, we'll look at aggregate value. It's uh, it's clearly rebounded quite nicely. Uh, exit activity has been on about the same level as incoming investments uh, activity-wise this year, which is actually not that surprising. There's been a fair few secondary buyouts in, in that sector. Uh, but again, pretty subdued compared to sort of three, four years ago. Uh, although, again, we notice uh, a nice kind of increase in, in aggregate value, certainly compared to 2020, unsurprisingly, but also, you know, years like 2018, 2016. Uh, it, it tends to be a little bit uh, kind of up and down, depending on, on whether there's, there's a large deal or not. After all, as I said, it remains a fairly niche sector. Um, but yeah, so it's uh, not not the most buoyant market for sure, but there's definitely been a return of, of appetite and a return of, of deals. And speaking of that, Harriet, can you maybe go through a, a few notable deals that we've seen in that space recently? Sure. Well, as you said, um, activity has not been back to pre-pandemic levels, but I think it's interesting that quite a few sponsors have actually managed to exit their assets in this space, which isn't always an easy process if you're trying to market a business that has had quite a significantly impacted year in terms of financials. But there have been quite a few secondary buyouts and trade sales. Obviously, we've mentioned PAI's acquisition of ECG. We've mentioned Palatine selling Verdant Leisure in a management buyback, which was supported by Pairs Partnership Capital. And that actually generated returns of 3.7 times money for them. So, a, you know, a, a successful exit there in a sector that's been quite challenged, um, as, as we've mentioned. Holiday Park operators and accommodation providers have been relatively popular as well. So in France, I believe, uh, Sondaya was sold by Apex to Infravia Capital in March 2021. And reportedly that was valued at around 430 million euros. Inflection also managed to sell a asset that's quite relevant in this sector. So Reed and Mackay, a travel management and events business, corporate travel management and events business, I should say, that was sold to US-based uh, trip actions in May 2021. And then another asset that's also relevant to the sector and relevant to people moving around the world that's vfs global which i believe is based in switzerland blackstone bought a 75 percent stake in that company which does visa outsourcing services in october 2021 the selling shareholders there included eqt and gic and that was actually a 1.87 billion us dollars uh, deal so quite a significant one as well in terms of activity in the sector. 
Yeah, excellent. Um, look, I think it's time to move on to our interview now. So without further ado, let's hear from Gaël Dancolmont, partner at PAI, and we'll be back in studio right after that. So we're now going to speak to Gaël Dancolmont, partner and head of the food and consumer team at PAI Partners. Gaël, welcome to the Unquote Private Equity podcast, and thanks very much for taking the time to speak to me and to our listeners today. Thank you. Now, it's an interesting time to talk about the travel and leisure sector as we and the sector continue to emerge from what was hopefully the worst of the coronavirus pandemic. But looking back to the start of 2020, what was your view of the travel and leisure sector at the outset of the pandemic? Were you tracking companies such as European Camping Group? And would you have expected to make an investment in the sector around a year and a half afterwards? Well, I should start by saying that at PEI, we know this industry quite well because we've been looking at it for more than a decade, I would say. And we've always thought it was an interesting one because of the growth, right? People wanting to travel more, wanting to have more time for leisure, right? That's, a, that's an obvious trend. Mm. So we've been tracking that sector for many years um, and we've looked at a number of assets in the space. And as you may know, we actually owned uh, two assets in the space. Uh, we own BNB Hotels and we own Rumpot in the Netherlands. And so we, we knew of the trends and these were super successful investments for us, both of them, uh, right? BNB, which we acquired in early 16, uh, we sold uh, in the summer of 2019 at a very good price. It was a very good investment for us. We really transformed the business. And so we thought that industry was super attractive. Uh, in 2020, when COVID started, we actually had another asset still in our portfolio, which was Rumpot, which is a holiday park operator in the Netherlands. So obviously our first uh, thing that we wanted to do was to make sure um, Rumpot would, let's say, survive this, uh, this crisis. And so we spent a lot of time with management to make sure the business was strong enough um, to have limited revenues for a number of months. And at the time, you remember, we didn't know how long this would last. Um, so uh, that was our first focus to make sure Roompot was protected. And uh, actually, the business went through COVID quite well um, in terms of how they managed operations, etc. at a challenging time. And we actually sold the business uh, in the midst of the pandemic because we sold Roompot in the summer of 2020. Uh, so before before thinking of buying an asset, we actually uh, were able to sell an asset, which I must say I wasn't convinced we were able to do that. Uh, if you had asked me the question in, in March 2020, uh, when this crisis started, uh, and what happened is the business that we owned was focused on on leisure and tourism because it was a holiday park business in the Netherlands. But uh, we had a very good story that the business had been transformed under our ownership. We had invested a lot in the business uh, to make it a much better business. We had invested in, in the accommodations uh, to renovate them. We had invested in the brands, Rumpat. We had spent on, on marketing, on digital marketing. So we had made it a much stronger business. And hence, we were able to find people who were interested to buy it, even in the middle of, of the COVID-19 crisis. And so we sold that business to KKR. And, um, and that was our first move, uh, let's say. Uh, and then we decided that actually we really liked that space. And the stories we had in our portfolio were super good. 
And that's why we um, started to look at opportunities in the sector actually as early as 2020. We thought there could be companies that had been weakened by COVID and that could be good investment for us because we were totally convinced that uh, post-COVID people would go back uh, to traveling, maybe a slightly different form of traveling, maybe closer to home, maybe shorter stays, maybe more staycations. And hence, uh, ECG seemed like the perfect target. Uh, we had known the company for many years. We had been following it. It was a very successful uh, company. Um, it grew uh, something like 20% per year uh, from 2011 to 2019, right before COVID. So it was on a very good uh, trajectory. Uh, of course, it was hit by COVID um, because it had a lot of international customers. Um, and so we thought it, it was a great opportunity, uh, but because we knew the company, we could make that decision to, to invest. Uh, so to answer your question, it's, it's never easy to forecast where we are going to invest, but I was sure that we would reinvest in that space because our track record was very good and we had built confidence um, at PEI. And people at PEI, that it was a space that was really interesting for private equity and where there was a lot of growth. Because um, also to, to talk about what we do at PEI, we really focus on growth. So we try to find sectors in the consumer space with growth. Uh, it's not always so easy, but clearly uh, travel and leisure is an area where there have been growth for a number of years. Of course, COVID uh, was a bit of a of a stop in that journey, but we are convinced that post-COVID, people will go back to traveling, wanting to, to see other parts of the world, wanting to gather with family and friends. I think it's very important to think about this as well, that uh, people have uh, found that uh, being uh, stuck at home uh, with only a few people is uh, it's not great and that they they want to gather with their friends and family and the travel and leisure sector uh, provides this. Mm, absolutely. No, really interesting. And uh, I think you've touched on this a little bit, Gail, already, but um, I wondered if you wanted to expand on what it is that makes the travel and leisure sector interesting for PAI and for private equity in general, even though it has obviously been impacted over the last year, year and a half. Yes, of course. Uh, the first thing that we like is the growth. People travel more, more often. They spend more on traveling. Uh, I'm sure you've been discussing with, with other people, but people today, they are focused on experiencing things rather than owning things. And travel and leisure is the best experience you can have, right? It's a lot of memories with your friend, with your family. And so it's clear that going forward, People will, will spend in travel and leisure. The trend is there. And so we like this, of course, we like the growth. We also like the fact that it's very resilient in a downturn, right? Uh, in the, the type of travel and leisure companies we are targeting are resilient in a downturn because they are affordable uh, traveling, right? We are focusing on holiday parks, which are highly affordable vacations for the family or for the friends. We like that sector because there is a clear scale advantage, especially in a world which has become digital. If you think about bookings, for example, it's clear that when you have scale, you can spend a lot more on your booking systems, on speaking to your customers, on digital marketing. 
And if you only have one holiday park, you don't have the same means to spend, right? If you start to have 30 or 40 parks, then you really have scale to invest. So it's a business where scale is important and where we think, therefore, there will be consolidation. It's still highly fragmented. If you think about the holiday park sector, it's half of the sector is family-owned businesses that have been created 20 or 30 years ago. So there is clearly a scope for consolidation. And we love that at PAI. We do a lot of M&A for our portfolio company. We always try to look for stories where we can grow and strengthen our companies. And that means organic growth, but also inorganic growth. So doing M&A, that's really at the core of, of a lot of our stories. And clearly that space is fragmented still. So there is a lot of room to buy family-owned businesses or small chains. And we think we can create a lot of value because, again, it's around investing in those companies, making them better, integrating them into a bigger platform, and hence getting the economies of scale. So these are the main reasons why we really like uh, this industry. Yes, absolutely. And I also wanted to ask you about whether you're seeing opportunities across both your flagship strategy and your mid-market fund, which held a final close in March 2021 on 920 million euros. How is deal flow looking across both of those from your perspective? I think the deal flow is, is looking good, right? Because there are a lot of companies that have been a bit weakened by the crisis and are looking for you know people to help them and support them. And that's the type of investors we have. We, we are, sorry. We, we can bring financial means we can bring contacts. And so I think there will be a lot of opportunities to invest in that space, um, both for our flagship strategy, but also for our meat market fund. And we work you know, in full cooperation. Uh, when I see opportunities that are too small for, for me, I will pass it on to the mid market fund. We speak regularly and try to, um, to see how they can help us, how we can help them. Because as you know, they look at smaller companies uh, but for example, in holiday parks, they can help us uh, source uh, add-ons for ECG because they know a lot of smaller companies. So there is really a synergies, I would say, between the two funds. Yes, absolutely. Really interesting. And overall, how do you see this deal flow developing in the travel and leisure sector in the next six months to maybe one year? Well, I think there will be opportunities and we are already seeing a number of opportunities. Uh, again, the scale effect that I was discussing, people understand that it's not so easy to be standalone and they need to join platforms, uh, be it for booking, uh, which has become really important, right? If you have direct booking, this is a key strength. When you have direct booking, you're not paying a 15% fee to someone else but you also have direct relationship to your customers. And today, this is key in a, in a consumer business to talk directly to your consumers. If you have a system where somebody, you know, intermediates the booking, you're not talking directly to your consumers. So how do you make sure that they're happy about their stay? How do you, you know, tell them they should come back to your holiday parks? How do you tell them you can provide a discount? You can't do all this. And today we know it's super important. So direct booking is key in my view for all these businesses and all the companies that we owned in the travel and leisure had 85 to 90% direct bookings. 
And we told them, this is key. So you need to invest to make sure you continue to have this direct booking because that's the way to speak to your customers. And that's the way to retain them, to make them loyal. And this is absolutely key, of course, in the travel and leisure industry where you have a lot of competition and people have a lot of you know, alternatives. And you really need to make sure that when they think about vacation, they think about your brand and they don't think about you know, someone else or about a generic uh, holiday theme. It's like all consumer companies, right? You need to have a brand name. You need to defend it so that you have a loyal customer base. And so for me, you know, the smaller companies will struggle uh, to do this because it means a lot of investment. You have to have the systems. It's IT investment. It's, uh, it's digital investments that not everybody can do. And as you know as well, it's changing very fast. Two or three years ago, we were all bookings on our computer. Now we're all booking on our phone. Well, the technology to book on your phone is different from the one that we are using on the web. So it means things are evolving very fast. So if you don't have an IT team that can follow these trends and update uh, your booking system regularly, then you know, you're gonna be lagging behind those who have the means. So in my view, and again, it goes back to the scale effect, the market will consolidate because there are a lot of investments that are required um, to perform in that business. And the consumers are also um, more demanding. Uh, so they want a perfect product. They want a perfect service. Uh, if they don't get the perfect service, they can complain easily by just writing you know, a tweet or <laughs> a small message. This is also a big change for the industry. It means that uh, you have to be perfect in terms of service, et cetera. And again, if you're part of a larger group, you have people to help you do that. Uh, if you're standalone, it's much easier to, uh, it's much more difficult, sorry, to, to be right at all these metrics that now the consumers are really expecting you to, to be good at. Right, I see. So plenty of opportunities for private equity to create value, to digitize, to consolidate. But what are valuations like in the travel and leisure sector at the moment from what you're seeing? I'm wondering if parts of the sector or certain types of companies might be undervalued at the moment, for example? Uh, Like in all sectors, there are, you know, the ones that are uh, performing and the ones that are not performing. Um, so it's clear that in terms of valuation, you see both trends. I think the good performing companies are, you know, valuations are clearly going up uh, from when we, you know, entered the space in, in 15 and 16. Uh, clearly, uh, the multiples have gone up for the good companies that are performing, that are the leaders in their sector that are consolidating. And that's clearly, you know, if you think about BNB, which we owned, uh, what we've done is we've accelerated the growth. So with Metro, they had a pipeline to open more hotels than in the past. So they are now opening, you know, let's say 60 or 70 hotels per year. So they're really a leader in their space. And hence, you know, they have gained in value. There are a number of other players that have been hit by, by the COVID, but that were also weak before don't want to say their name but you know I'm sure some people can can think about names uh, that are struggling 
And so on these ones, actually, um, it's it's hard to find investors that want to invest because there were companies that were weaker before COVID that had been really impacted by COVID. And at some point, their business model is just not right. I think they've stayed on old business models that are not the right ones. And hence, for some of these uh, companies, it's been very difficult to find investors. So I would say it's difficult to say about the whole market. As in many sectors, there are the good, uh, the good guys that are really uh, valued and private equity wants to invest in them. And there are some business models that are just uh, not going to survive uh, this crisis, which, again, is opportunities for the ones that are surviving. So like, like all crises, I think it, it shows who, which are the, the ones that are going to perform and which are the ones that are just uh, outdated. I think this COVID has accelerated this, that the weaker one um, actually are not going to be able to survive. It, they don't totally change their business model. I see. And you've mentioned times of crisis. Clearly, some companies in this sector have really struggled. And across the private equity industry, I think we've seen the importance of LP and GP communication about these kinds of topics. So I wanted to ask you now that the market has moved on, that businesses are recovering. Are you seeing LPs being receptive to investments in the travel and leisure sector? And in your view, what's key to communicating about deals in this sector to an investment committee, for example? Well, I certainly hope they are receptive because I just announced the ECG deal, uh, <laughs> European Camping Group. So Hopefully, this will be good news. But so far, I think people have been quite excited because they understand we are coming in at, at a good time with a strong company. They understand why we didn't have a good performance in 20 and 21. I think what's important is, is to explain, right? Explain what happened, why they struggled in 20 and 21, what are the reasons and we can totally explain the performance of those businesses in 2021, totally linked to COVID. And so what's important to, is to, to give our story, what we want to do with the business, what are the assets of these businesses. For example, ECG, you know, the clear asset are the locations. They have 70% of their park located by the sea and location by the sea is the key asset because people want to go on vacation by the sea there is a scarcity of locations because at some point you cannot not have more uh, accommodations by the sea. And so this is a key asset and people fully understand this. That if you're the first one uh, to have a certain location that is a top location where people want to go, that's a key asset and other people will not be able to, to have this location. Once you're in a location, you're, you're there forever. And hence, this is a key asset. So I think you have to explain the assets of the companies. Another asset that we discussed is, is direct bookings, the ability to speak directly to your consumers. And here, ECG has 90% direct booking, also a key strength in my view. Uh, another, um, sorry, another strength uh, are the brands. They are very strong brands that are known to the customers. It's uh, Eurocamp, it's Omer. So people that go on vacation, they know they can trust these brands to deliver a very good vacation for them. 
and brands are important. They are a way for people to um, to make sure uh, they have a good holiday, right? And so I think the, the trick, as always, is to be very open and explain what happened and what, you're go- what you are going to do with the business. I think we have a very clear story for ECG of growing the company, both organic and inorganic, so consolidating the market. And I think LPs uh, fully understand that um, the travel and leisure industry has suffered during COVID for very specific reasons that we can all understand but that going forward, the consumer trends would be very supportive of the travel and leisure space uh, because actually the fact that we've gone through COVID has probably enhanced the desire of people to travel and to spend on leisure. So actually out of a very bad experience for everyone, maybe comes a very positive outcome for the travel and leisure industry because people, when they are missing something, understand that they want more of it and i think that maybe what's happening in travel and leisure so i'm as you can hear very positive around travel and leisure i think this will be a key area of spending uh, for consumers across the world not only in europe but i think across the world uh, because people want to build memories they want to build you know, time with their family and friends. We've also understood that, you know, life can be shorter than, than we thought, that there can be bumps on the road. And uh, if you don't make the most of the time that you have, you might regret it. And honestly, what's better than, than traveling or having some, you know, leisure time with your friends and family to create memories? There are not many things that create that kind of memories, right? So I'm super optimistic, as you can hear. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much, Gail, for sharing your thoughts and your insights. It's been a pleasure to have you on the Unquote Private Equity podcast. Thanks very much for your time. Thank you, Harriet. Very interesting stuff from Gail there. Um, Harriet, what were the key takeaways uh, from that interview for you? Well, Gail picked up on a lot of trends that I think it's worth um, worth mentioning. I liked her, her phrase of experiencing things rather than owning things as a general kind of consumer trend, which is certainly going to help the travel and tourism sector quite significantly. Uh, people are certainly wanting to travel more during their leisure time as well. Another key trend in the sector is the fact that affordable travel, as well as very luxury travel, is actually quite resilient in, in downturns. Um, we're definitely seeing prevalence of staycations and shorter stays, which Gail mentioned as well, and that's really key for ECG, their, their sort of relatively new portfolio company. And in fact, just having a having a quick look at you know what what's currently going on in the sector. Turning to our dear friends and, and colleagues at Merge Market, who always keep a very close eye on, the, on that sort of thing. There's a few processes that are obviously ongoing, and it's interesting to see kind of the the, the, the spread of businesses. Uh, well, in fact, PAI uh, has been mentioned in connection with uh, Park Holidays, which is a UK-based resort operator, which uh, recently shortlisted takeover bids from a number of players uh, in in an auction process, uh, with valuations sort of uh, expected around the sort of the, the billion mark again. Um, so yeah, PAI mentioned in connection with that, uh, but also kind of Starwood Capital. Uh, and the university superannuation scheme. Uh, there's another one in France as well that is probably worth keeping an eye on, 
which is uh, Groupe Pierre et Vacances uh, Centre Parks, uh, which for anyone who's been in France, will uh, that will bring back memories, surely, uh, which is understood to have attracted interest from several investment funds recently. That was from uh, Les Echo, the, the French Daily. And there's been, again, like several names attached to that process, uh, Davidson Kempner, Sotares, Six, uh, Six Street Partners, uh, potentially a consortium grouping together Atrium, Fidera and Alcentra, uh, but also BPI France, the sort of sovereign wealth fund. Uh, and the report mentioned that HIG had walked out of the bidding. So potentially uh, another big process there, which would be quite interesting to keep an eye on. Uh, and finally, uh, and I think that was kind of mentioned as well, uh, the, the sort of the angle about tech around travel and leisure is, is quite interesting. So it's not so much kind of assets that are direct involved in, in, in the sector in terms of providing services, but it's also, you know, providing the tech that will support the sector. Um, and uh, a name that's been that's been in the headlines recently, uh, surely familiar to our private equity audience, is uh, Travel Chapter. Uh, it's a UK-based company that's uh, that provides online marketing platforms for holiday lettings. It's currently owned by ECI Partners, uh, and a few days ago it announced its attention to list on uh, on AIM in London. So be interesting to to keep an eye on that as well for sure. Uh, and on that note, I think we'll wrap up for today. Harriet, thank you so much for joining me on the pod today. Pleasure having you. Thanks very much, Greg. It's great to great to speak to you about the topic. Thanks very much. And thank you all for listening to this week's episode. Remember, if you like the podcast, don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. See you on the next one.